You're listening to Thunder Quack Podcast Network. Hello, Riverdale gang. Hello, Riverdale gang. I'm Chloe. And I am Ryan. Welcome to the Critical Commentary Watch-Along Podcast of Riverdale. Yeah, uh, the Riverdale gang specifically. You and us collectively uh, making up the gang. Uh, our own little militia that we found and, you know, yeah. as inspired by our hero, Archie. Uh. <laughs> hey, it's been a week, y'all. It's been a week. Hey, Ryan, I have an idea. Uh-huh. What if we introduced our show every time by saying our names, saying what kind of podcast it is, and saying that it's recorded on unceded territory? Why don't we do it at the beginning? Opening? Yeah. Sure. Why don't we have an opening? What do you think, gang? Let's hear from you. If you like our opening or hate our opening, you should tweet at us. Our brand new opening that I've just come up with. <laughs> don't don't break my brain, Chloe. The show we just watched broke my brain a yeah, lot. This episode was a lot. By the way, we we accidentally ended our episode a little too early yeah. last time. The recording we didn't realize we had. it. The recording we had wasn't great. Um Yep. I mean, we always watch everything on Netflix, of course. <laughs> but um, Things vary week to week. Things vary week to week on Netflix. We're freelance artists. We are freelance with artists. With weird schedules. We so anyway, we were watching it, and we missed three whole scenes. Yeah, so. we missed Archie and Veronica's tearful goodbye. Some, like, big plot stuff. And we, yeah, <laughs> and we missed the fact that everyone at the Sisters of Quiet Mercy was painting the Gargoyle King. How much more ominous was that episode with those final few scenes? So um, you must have been so confused last week, gang. So yeah. sorry about that. Um, we also borked the schedule. There's one more next uh, next week as well. Yeah. Before the winter hiatus. We got so. more Riverdale than we bargained on. <sighs> and then that Friday. So next Wednesday is the last Riverdale episode of yeah. the season. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or of the half season. And then the and then Sabrina. Friday is the Friday is the Sabrina. Um, Solstice. Solstice. Event. I saw the trailer for that today. It looks wonderful. Yes, yes. Um, I'm thrilled to revisit that world. Um, and uh, have some feelings that I, I've been thinking we should do springing things on each other today, Chloe. Yes, I've been thinking we so should right. do a Christmas episode or something for like, I don't know, Boxing Day or I don't know what that'll even be, but we've been meaning to revisit a, an interview or two and maybe that we can great. chat That sounds great. Let's record the... it on Boxing Day. <laughs> I'm in Alberta on Boxing oh. Day, Chloe. Let's record it before <laughs> Boxing Day okay. and before we're in different provinces. So you... there's the logistics of um, casual podcast hobby producing, gang. Yes. You'll notice that like Ryan and I have compartmentalized this show down to only being able to organize while the show is going on. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, it's how freelance artists do. So let's talk about this episode. Yeah. Oh um, my. So we think we figured out the genre we're in. Have we? You just said it was a pod. What would you say? I don't know. I haven't figured anything out except um, I'm. E oh, epidemic pleased. apocalypse something something. Oh no! I that was looking at the previews for next episode. Oh yeah. We're not even. That's. Also, we got a shot of away. Jughead's um mom. And she's really famous, and I didn't look at her long enough to realize who it was, <laughs> to, like, register who it was. Oh. But I'm, I'm great. I'm really grateful that we're finally getting Jelly Bean and the mom. Yes. I think that's going to be an interesting place for this story to go. Um, but we're not even there. That's not even a part of this episode. No, this episode. So this episode is future. broken up into three episodes, basically. This episode felt um, similar to me to the one we loved last season around this time of year, the post-Thanksgiving three-part horror 
um, throwdown. Yeah. Um, it was a lot slower, too. Yeah, it was... A, but not in a bad way. Mm-hmm. In a very smooth-paced way. Um, I want to contrast it to the slowness of last uh, episode, where um, I felt a lot of exposition slowness dragging me, even <laughs> even as I enjoyed last episode. Um, uh, 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 the pacing was not always helped by the, the volume of information being revealed. Um, this episode felt tighter. <laughs> I, I really enjoyed these three cinematic clips. Um, unlike, you know, the, the for example, The Prison, which had much more screen time stretched out over a much longer part of the show, which felt hokey and incomplete and pastiche. Um, each of these little, little bite-sized stories um, felt like pretty contained uh, tonal pieces of art like they, mm, they were yeah. um they were each a tale of the the scoundrel Hiram Lodge but yeah. uh they were each from a, a very fresh perspective with a very bold aesthetic choice um hearkening back to some to the 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 strong color grading variation used jumping between scenes um each each area had a mood had a feel had a color scheme mm-hmm, mm-hmm, um and I think had some clear genre references. The creepy farm horror, yeah. the deep psycho-thriller, pseudo-psychoanalytic um, shtick. Uh, cycling through maybe three three different horror genres once again. I didn't really feel like the middle one was a horror genre. Yeah. It felt like the palate cleanser. <clears throat> Basically, mm. it felt like three short films to me. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I, I don't know if I would be thinking so horror if I weren't called back to that episode last season. Yeah, I well, I mean, to, I guess what I mean to say is that to me, Veronica's episode felt very um, just crime heist type genre. Mm-hmm. Crime family. True. And there was no real, like... Sopranos light. <laughs> yeah. Um, I really enjoy... We're, we're kind of pre-picking this apart. But, uh, um, yeah, there's a lot I'm, I'm excited to jump into, especially the scenes with Pops and Veronica. Um, there's a lot of uh, mood and character nuance playing out there. And um, I really enjoyed, um, in, that, in that slower story pacing, um, how much these characters like especially Veronica especially Betty in this extreme circumstance and Veronica in this mundane sort of microcosm she's created um letting their lives breathe a little bit and seeing a snip of these weird alternate universe lives they've stumbled into canonically mm-hmm. um they're each like I- I've accepted this is strong AU fan fiction at this point using the Riverdale AU? characters alternate universe oh 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 is a prominent fan fiction genre where we just throw everything out but the character names and vague personalities and or background details. I kind of like that. It's, I mean, it's evergreen. I, <laughs> you know, like, I, I, I'm i following four serial novel-length stories right now. Each one follows the, the Batman character, Tim Drake. Um, <laughs> but in, like, extraordinarily different canonical settings. Three of them which are well-rooted in... Um, in stuff the comics had given us, one which is just this wacky bar romantic comedy AU, <laughs> and just that's the that's the palate cleanser. Wow. Veron- yeah. Yes. Veronica in the middle, 
getting some good and not some horror was palate cleansing. Yeah. Um, P.S. B. One, perhaps, um, content warning for this episode. Oh, yeah. Um, being force-fed in a prison-like slash, like, um, insane asylum Institutional setting. Institutional setting. I found that really creepy and that's never even happened to me. So, just an FYI. That forced drugging. Um, I, uh, I think I am definitely interested and excited to talk a little bit about the the institutionalized histories that they're pulling on there yeah and a little bit about how those tropes are um i'm like these are some these are some touchy tropes i'm always nervous when uh the psychoanalytic horror is played out um but somehow the sisters of quiet mercy feel like um i don't know i don't i believe them as being this awful and yes. actively misusing therapeutic technique. There's no question about that and how they're presented, which is better than a lot of um, what I think the that story genre <clears throat> is pulling from, research-wise. Yeah. Um, do you want to jump right in? Yeah, so, let's do you have anything it. else you wanted? You were thinking about a percolating before we? No, the I feel like we. <laughs> excuse me. I feel like we've spent a lot of the last few episodes getting really excited about something in the preamble, and I think today <laughs> we should jump in. Let's do that as I reach for my tea. Um, all right, Chloe. Excuse me. Sorry, gang. Um, so Netflix badooming. Uh, ready with us, gang? In three, two, badoom. Ah, beautiful Netflix. Meanwhile, flashbacks. This is where yeah. we clued in today. It took us till now watching the flashbacks yeah, to realize those until, scenes we missed last week, um, gang. This. No, this moment where she's like, whoa. Yep. Where there was all these paintings that we suddenly didn't remember. That must have been a really fun set to, set to, or set of props to deal with. Yeah. I mean, depending on when they were given the script. True. Either Either <laughs> really, really fun if the art department had a good warning for that shot, or if like, which probably from what I've heard about how their sets work, probably. Um, they're not an improv set from what I hear. Generally, this uh, this production team seemed to run some word, fairly word-perfect scenes and scripts. Yeah. Um, so we had some gorgeous fog in Vancouver a little while ago, and I wonder if this is the same fog or if this was... The, what Didn't they shoot some stuff in Alberta this time? Ryan? I don't remember, actually. Okay. Um, entirely possible. Yeah. There's it's mountains certainly... in the background of one of these shots, so it can't be Alberta unless it's the foothills of the Rockies. Oh, there's plenty of mountains in Alberta. I thought Alberta was pretty flat. Most of it, but the entire left side is a, a mountain edge. It looks like BC? Uh, yeah, it is the edge of BC. Right. BC rolls off into Alberta, you know. It's it's true, I know. <laughs> I do know that. So here's Jughead, like, not twigging that it's weird that his girlfriend hasn't picked up the phone in a while. I, I liked his in-world justification of this. There are a few real dumb moves this episode yeah these um, are too like jughead's character knows more than this like i didn't buy some of the stupid mm, choices that jughead made they were all i think they were all naived up except Ooh. maybe veronica this episode True. um well i mean i'm saying only only in how betty's story played out maybe yes but betty betty and hubris make sense as a pattern at this point yes <laughs> unfortunately yes so i thought this was the farm yep i was also 
because we've been talking about a farm, and then a girl who looked a lot like um, Evelyn Evermore uh, showed up with shotguns, mm-hmm. and uh, I think this was a fine narrative choice. Yeah. Um, it in the long tradition of weird disorienting one-off Riverdale setting characters with alliterative names. Yeah. Also, I thought this was going to be Polly. Carry on. Yes. Um, the level of trust that this recent escaped convict shows to all these strangers is definitely, um, a lot. Yeah. I'm curious what, where they were coming from with that. Are Cal and Biff the two characters in Of Mice and Men? Uh, that's a bunch of What's the man of stuff again? that I never touched on. <laughs> what? Of Mice and Men. It, that was like English it... class. We had to read it for English class. I See, I didn't. It wasn't on our reading list. No. And so I only know it like retroactively as apparently something that a whole bunch of uh, angsty early 20s men read and find themselves in really oh no i didn't know that is that a mice of men i don't Steinbeck? know yeah that's Steinbeck. east of eden is a little more angsty i've never read um east of eden i've only seen the film my american lit rep is not so hot that's okay i read it in <laughs> canada um so speaking of canada and the united states mm-hmm. i often wonder what this show must be like for americans because to me it is so evocative and familiar mm. and it doesn't look like the united states right because i know it's here and i sometimes wonder if americans watching this like it looks a little like a fantasy version of their country I would love right. to hear from any of our American listeners if they have some insight into that. Like that farm, like I've ridden on my bike past farms like that on the way to the ferry. Mm-hmm. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? And it there's a lot of Pacific Northwest setting, um, yeah. just like dressing. Um, and I, I always thought, uh, had similar thoughts about, you know, shows like Stargate mm-hmm. SG-1 that I watched growing up. Um, but I, I, I would kind of wonder if at this point it isn't normalized as TV forced. Uh, mm-hmm. With the sheer volume of space Vancouver and the Pacific Northwest takes up on North American screens, um, completely unlabeled, uh, I, yeah, I don't know. But I'd love to hear. Yeah, I would too. Also, here's... Does, so does that woman, is that woman being seductive because she knows who he is? Or is she lonely? Uh, good Do we question. Care? I mean, I... I'm not given enough of her on screen to really care. I'm not given any indication she's coming back to yeah, care. Yeah, true, true. Um, she didn't interest me enough as a character to care. Yeah. Um, it was entertaining watching Archie being a hormonal little derp. <laughs> yeah. Um, He's killing these bales of hay. I wonder if they're real. <laughs> I also you, don't know how heavy they are. You, you, you you don't fake bales of hay. There's nothing cheaper than an actual bale of hay. Oh, okay. How heavy are they? <laughs> I can lift them. Oh, okay. Yeah, that is that is how you would load, like, small square bales. No one does squall, small square bales anymore. Like, this is a tiny farm if they're yeah. doing square bales. At least in, uh, in Canada and Alberta. Or it's meant to look vintage. True. Fair point. Like, literally, my, my grandfather, the the old rancher who retired 15 years ago, did square bales 15 years ago, and it was quaint. Aw. <laughs> because he just never bothered to scale up. 
So here, this is starting to come together. I'm jumping ahead a little on the plot, but like, mm-hmm. cat under the car. Yeah. I thought it was Salem. I, I feel like that's just such a lucky accident, because no one's paying an animal trainer yeah. for that little cameo. Yeah, there's... The, <laughs> also, the, they got, like, good shots there, because the cat was in the background of that shot as well in the same spot. Like, the cat was doing continuity. Ugh. <laughs> <laughs> uh. Um, so anyway, it's all coming together. Mm-hmm. All the um, plot bits. The class, class evil, weird game evil, crime. I've been in evil. this town. Where is this? I bet we could find that church. Um, yeah. I uh, I know you're not a Simpsons fan, Chloe, but I had flashbacks to um, Marge scoping out, uh, was it Spoonerville? The other, the monorail destroyed town in this, this, um... This faded, deep prophecy of what Riverdale is doomed to become. Um, and this lady who apparently lives to give this monologue to strangers who wander past. Yeah. Which I, lo- I loved, aesthetically. <laughs> yeah, the spirit of the town personified in this one woman. <laughs> um, here we find out the fizzle rocks are drugs. Shocking no one. They're mm-hmm. everywhere. Shocking no one. They probably have something to do with G&G. Shocking no one. Anyway. Fizzy rock trickle down. Also, I love this vintage razor she's using on him. What a strange scene. Yeah. And she's using a bridle as a strop. Oh my god, that's so fantastic. (laughs) Uh... I just... Like, how would this come about in a non-weird way? Yeah, do you want me to shave you? Because clearly you don't know how to do it yourself. Unless it was like, I got... oh, I have a straight-edge razor. Like, I can do a really good shave on you if you want. Right, but, like, again, they go real fast from pointed shotgun to blade to the neck wantonly. Archie's dumb. Archie's <sighs> a re- really, really dumb. I mean, I, I'd say he's legitimately following his hormones in this sequence. I'll buy no, that. No, I mean the the razor, the gun to the razor. Oh, yes. Archie's down. Yes. <laughs> oh, boy. She also doesn't finish shaving him, and it bothered me for the whole scene. <laughs> I, I I did keep looking for whiskers out of place. He was very nicely shaved beforehand. Um, as someone with hair who's dark probably has to be before every shot. Yeah. I imagine that gets frustrating, the constant close shaves. Yeah. I remember when um, Andrew, our friend Andrew, was playing Peter Pan and had to, like, get really close shaves every day. Aw. Uh, I've never seen it, him but... with a beard. No, but playing an immortal boy is tough when yes. you're in your late 20s. <laughs> True. By anyone's account. Like, I learned drag makeup technique for some younger characters before. It yeah, fair enough. <laughs> unpleasantly caked. <laughs> unpleasantly caked the story of playing children in the theater (laughs) also he just tells her the whole story there's a yeah i mean i want to take him as a trusting loving puppy dog but did she already know can we tell she already knew i i can't quite tell um and like i don't see anything in his story that causes Mm. abort plan of seduction to keep him around necessarily until like his story wouldn't change the course of things ness- yeah. if if she already knew yeah um so i it almost doesn't matter yeah as far as the how this that's 
actually an unfortunate narrative beat to pick apart. That that scene and those beats don't really matter. Yeah. And functionally her as a character. Um, maybe that's why she didn't make as much of an impression as some of the, the, the more standout one-off characters, like the creepy drug-dealing yeah. old lady last year. Oh, look! Fizzle rocks and... Clear children for once. I it's... like that she opens that with, are you a king? Because it was hat. Anyway. <laughs> I um I always enjoy the stark contrast when film brings real children around. They're fake children. Mm-hmm. Um, they just seem so young, but kids that age are actually doing drugs, and it's still... ah yeah. Also, the this one girl is wearing this very intense blue green eyeshadow, which is an interesting choice. Hmm. Anyway, I, I I feel underqualified to pick apart the Americana class symbols here, but I feel like there is a lot in this town that is, um, yeah, that also, is interesting you know, terrain. Did you notice that the Gargoyle King was watching over them the whole time? Oh yes, from the wall. That those looming looming pictures in the background are interesting. Mm-hmm. They like that. It seems they do. Uh. It, Chloe was screaming at him in our first watch through, why are you eating the eggs? Why are you eating yeah, the eggs? Yeah, I thought there was going to be, like, fizzle rocks in the eggs or drugs or something. The obvious and choice. Then she, and then she just Sam Gambies <laughs> Which, honestly... <laughs> That's for my old gaffer. Honestly feels like the more Riverdale choice to make. What, the pan? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yep. Totally. Let's go big and splashy and add an unnecessary concussion to this whole thing. Let's... This I was not expecting, I have to say. I was not mm-hmm. expecting Hiram to show up in that gorgeous coat, which I want, by <laughs> the way. The pacing of this story coming first worked real nicely um, in this this tying together. I love how the, those two kids with guns are just a joke to him. Yeah, which... Mm, which is interesting. I, I don't know. I have many, many thoughts about representations of independent country women. Um, yeah, I bet. It's a fairly important thing. My mom is so much better with a gun than me. <laughs> she has to hunt muskrats out of the pond every year. It is... Yeah. I feel That's like... A useful skill. I feel like these... Can you eat a muskrat? Two, oh, God. I mean, you wouldn't want to, okay. probably. They're, they are rodents. I mean, they're, they're functionally large rat squirrel I mean, people things. eat squirrels. Like, I suppose you could roast and trap them, but they're kind of swampy. Anyway. Fair enough. <laughs> um, also, this is, like, a pretty good scene if it wasn't in this show. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, in this show, it's, like, overblown and it, it hits some melodrama, melodrama points, but mm. I feel like in any other movie, any other television show... If this was, like, a subplot on... NCIS or yeah. or Criminal Minds or something that is more like hard, hard gritty world. Yeah. Um. I I never would expect these stakes in an Archie comic. Yeah. Um. Although one of the things wh- that makes me buy this scene is the way Jug or Cole Sprouse responds to KJ Appa when he says, "I can kill him," mm. and Cole Sprouse says, "I know," like looks at him and says, "Like I know you can." <laughs> 
again. Right. Like, that's one of the reasons I think it's a good scene, that, mm. that little line exchange. Yeah, that connection really, really clicked. Um, that emotional uh, rawness. <sighs> and I, I see how those stakes don't really make sense in an Archie comic, yet here we are. Yet, here we are. Um, yet. <laughs> um, Hiram's reaction here, also kind of over the top. Um, one of those moments where I felt like an actor was a little bit out of their skin comfort zone, overplaying something. Um, I'm curious what happened to the maybe now murdered two yeah. independent farm women. Like, nothing good to their apparently kidnapped, drug debted father and brother? Yeah. Random male figures who are absent. Which is kind of nice. I mean, it... They're getting their story instead. They're not passing the Bechdel test. Yeah, they didn't talk to each other. No, they did once. <clears throat> about the gun. Right, right, yep. I mean, one could argue it was about... It was in regards to the man they were pointing the gun at. Yes. It's true. They're off to see Jughead's mom. Really excited about it. We were mm. so pleased to see um, Veronica packing to leave home. Yes. it, it It's due. And... It's nice seeing her bubble over like this. Um, her and Hermione uh, unpacking this packing um, was was a great choice. I see what you did there. It was. Um, what's this all about? <laughs> Come on, how in the dark can her parents be? It does feel a little naive. Um, Hermione's ploys here. Um, feel a little passe. Um, the whole, do you think I'm capable of murder after she shot a dude in front of Veronica protecting her? Yeah. Quite recently. Also, did you notice that the paper was called Lodge something? Ooh. It, like, buying up local media is, you know. A thing. A thing. <laughs> yeah. He's my husband. I'm also really impressed with how little Veronica packed, given that she's Veronica. Yeah. Um, she doesn't, um... She doesn't even take a purse. She doesn't fake it. She doesn't, um, rich girl run away. Yeah. I mean, like, she runs away to her garish speakeasy with beautiful overstuffed, um, couches to sleep on. Yes. But she doesn't go check into a hotel. Yeah. Um, her standards are not, do not matter in this moment. And that was really refreshing. Um, Although her cute little, like, um, uh, sleeping mask. mask here is really fun. It's a nice yeah. touch. Yeah. Um, I was reminded, it, it, it felt just a touch. Um, I rewatched Legally Blonde recently. Oh, yeah. Um, and kind of checked back in with that, that real, um really nice familiar story of sort of um a very ma a, a very materialistically wrapped up person <laughs> sort of in engaging with the, this presence of this presence and their power in wherever they are <clears throat> it's 
I'm liking this story even more on the second yeah. pass. This I'm... really was a grounding middle anchor story. Yeah. I also love that long shot that we just got around her. Yeah. Watching the people playing the game kind of incomprehensibly trying to understand people her own age. Right. <sighs> oh, that's a very good point. She's kind of gazing down upon the kids being kids as she yeah. runs her bar and worries about money. Yeah. I really enjoyed Reggie's presence in this. Yeah. Um, I, I thought they had a really fun chemistry. Um, I really enjoyed him being used as a character and I really enjoyed him as Veronica's supporting character um, much more than I ever enjoyed him in our in an Archie mood yeah also I think that was a cheerleader a jock a serpent and someone else playing that game together <laughs> that's a cute <clears throat> statement yeah coming together in the face of evil with evil I don't know I give up so <laughs> I didn't know quite what to expect from this arrangement i thought maybe emilio would be the new boyfriend but mm. i do not think that now elio 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 uh emilio oh elio uh, sorry eh, it it's only because it's been a real gay year that that name exists in my brain so clearly it's it what? it's a call a character in call me by your name oh and that's the only reason that. that name like flags in my ears <laughs> as a bit overwrought. Gotcha. <laughs> How so is wins? This is, um, this snippet makes me want to dig into this, um, film genre. Like, I don't actually know this period of film well at all. Uh, the, like, crime, hi like, this isn't a heist film, but no. this, this type of, um, not spy versus spy, but kind of wit versus wit, um, like, it, it feels like whatever the genre Ocean's Eleven is. That's a heist movie. Yeah, but this isn't. Yeah, this is a like, if we're gonna... Mm -hmm. I mean, it isn't like... It's a little like The Sting, but it's really not, because The Sting is a perfect movie made for adults. <laughs> um, it reminds me a little of the English the English language remake of Bubble Flambeur, and I can't remember what it's called in English. Oh well. Uh the oh the the Beldar Beldar and the Butterfly? No, no, Bob Le Flambeur means Bob the Gambler or something like that. Got I forget yep. Nick Nolte <laughs> was in it. Anyway, it's kind of about a similar card game situation. I love how completely disconnected our frames of literary reference are, Chloe. I mean it, this is film. But also this <laughs> sequence Hiram is being such an idiot here. Yes. I don't know how he thinks any of this can work. This is this is an episode of Hiram um Hiram being a little extra wide-eyed. Yeah. Throughout. Um I'm I'm curious. I am wondering if something is going real wrong behind the scenes for Hiram that they're seeding. Um because I feel like since the episode where he brought Veronica her portrait, he's been acting defensively interesting he's been caught off guard a lot um the breakout at the the ring for example um he was so caught off guard and i feel like we've gotten a lot of the same expression out of hiram's performance 
Um, and the fact that we have three flashes of him where he's being presented in this really powerful, strong position, um, but this actor's doing something that feels <coughs> consistent. I, yeah, I feel like there's there's more being... the groundwork that is being laid in his character, perhaps. Yeah. I also want to know what that's a reference to, that casino, the word casino floating across the screen. Because yeah. it was only one word. I was expecting more words. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's, Love Reggie's pants, P.S. That's where it's like, I feel like there's a whole genre of film somewhere hidden that I must have missed. Yeah. That um, bow tie is adorable. Yes. The floofy bow tie. And the pants. He's well-dressed this episode. Yeah, and these split screens. What movie is this referencing? It's referencing, mm. like, Rat Pack stuff, probably. And yeah, 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 yeah. The Ocean's movies. And probably not James Bond, but yeah. it's kind of yeah. got that feel. Yeah, that's that's the, the thing I want to find now. This show, this this episode was good enough to to like trigger a nostalgia for something I've never watched. <laughs> so that's um that's quite quite a an achievement. Yeah. Um, in this little middle section. Oh, good tie, uh, uh, Elio. Elio, yes, that is an excellent <coughs> fabric. Not a great dress of Veronica. That's fine. It's interesting. No pearls. We got metal jewelry and accessories. A subtly changing aesthetic, a different era, perhaps. Yeah, maybe. It's kind it's of pinstripe, a... though, too. It's sort of businessy. Right. Well, there's a whiff of that, like '60s Vegas. Yeah. In the in a lot of the 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 look and lighting. And that beautiful vest. Twenty four. How do you win blackjack with twenty four? I forget. I thought you had to get it's exactly... 21. I thought you right? had to get exactly 21. Did he just draw 24 and they let that sit? I can't remember That would be now. a strange I, continuity maybe... error. To have him bust while smoothly drawing her in. That can't <sighs> be... That can't be right. I just haven't played 21 in a long time. I love how Reggie's like, oh, God. No, 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 no. I, I'm glad this was um, a scheme. I'm glad this was a scam, a con. Um, Why? I wasn't sure it was going to be because sometimes the show face plants and I, I wasn't sure if they loved and respected Veronica enough to let her do this right. Um, I, I doubted the show for just a moment, but, um, was all the more satisfied Yeah. for the, for the reveal, for the play out, um. And here we go. This, yeah. 21 exactly. How does one market and sell this show that changes every week? Well, I mean, (laughs) they only had to sell the first season. Yeah. And then they only had to sell the second season. We'll see how the third season does. It would be fascinating. Uh, Yeah. Over Reggie's like, eh, we'll take that before someone makes <laughs> up with it. <laughs> Probably the real deed, because that's just what we do in this in this world. Also, just... that money looks so fake. <laughs> <laughs> this was not remotely legal, right? Presumably. I don't know. Like... I don't know if sixteen-year-olds are allowed to own their own casino. So that'd be a no. That, that'd be a <laughs> that that that'd be a big old no. Good point. Good 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 solid. Yeah. 
Chloe, I keep noticing the clothing things you pointed out like three scenes later. Those pants have just glom I've just glommed onto them and joined your pants fans fan club. Cool. Those Reggie pants. Reggie pants. Um something's going on with our uh Our audio? Our audio. It's balanced weird. Yay, technical things. Oh well. That's okay. You know what's happening, um, right? So what is Hiram's <laughs> deal here? Um I mean this is another this is another bit of the um uh him seeming off. Another yeah. moment where where things are weird. Um actually I'm intrigued because we're splitting headphones right now. I wonder if these um <laughs> I wonder if it's the broken file we're using tonight or if it's some kind of intentional panning. Um cuz sound pans left and right can be quite disorienting. And I'm getting a lot of Hiram whispering in my ear right now uh, at an accelerated volume. Yeah. I, I'm curious how creative they get with panning. Sometimes when I'm at my most masturbatory in sound design, I go real hard on the pans. Yeah. And make, you know, a howling crowd of wolves surround the room. Or yeah. some Some vision that probably doesn't fully deliver, but has pan. I really liked these scenes with Veronica and Pops. I did too. I like his moral voice here. It's good. Yeah. Um, this is much too loud for me, Ryan. I'm sorry. You're going to have to turn it down slightly. <laughs> no problem. Uh, technology. It's... I yeah. liked that they ended on this kind of unsettled note. Yeah. Um, it was a good arc. An it was an interesting and novel story that they didn't resolve, which it's it's interesting that they keep using these um, fairly robust plot tropes, but then ending on this dissonant note, always finding a dissonant note to to wrap it together on. Yeah, um, it's very counterintuitive to where a lot of these plots traditionally feel like they're going. Yeah, it's, it's very. Interesting. Here we are. We're back with Betty's interior monologue. I, I, I'm always, always, always skeptical of the like horror depictions of psychoanalysis. Um, I know, but also this isn't really psychoanalysis, is it? No. Um, it's the the um hot film code for psychoanalysis, the um, Rorschach test. Um. But everything about Benny's inner monologue in this whole thing was so in, in <laughs> enthralling for me. Um, I, I didn't ping on the usual problematic re representations of institutionalized life. Um, they really built a creepy nunnery of weird, melded, sort of horror treatment here. Um... Also, forced drugging is a really real thing that happens in all throughout medical history and in a lot of places to people today. So this is a real interesting, um, hyperbolic version of a real thing. Mm-hmm. Um, which seems to be the shtick of the nuns. <laughs> Fizzle rocks, aka drugs. What do you think about this, um... Narrative na narration, rather. I I loved it as a as a <laughs> as a style change. Mm -hmm. 
I loved hearing Betty's monologue, Betty's inner voice in a place other than the framing monologues, um, where we usually hear sort of a narrative version of Jughead's sort of inner voice. Why don't you throw those down the toilet? I mean, it is so easy. <laughs> well, they might only have, <coughs> I, I mean, she might not be able to access the toilet easily. That's true. Um... I am not sure how to feel about Ethel's role in this, but yeah. I like. I like up teenager like the rest of the teenagers in here. I liked her performance. Yes. Um, and I love the fact that she half face love heart seats herself with a goblin. Yeah. <laughs> There's a lot of um interesting creepifications of um of of very girlish femininity here. Up in Ethel. Yeah. Um, I feel like... I feel like Betty is not the person I would choose to be empathetic with in in this world. But I feel like that is... Um, that is also a, a an appropriate character beat for the, the mood and genre that they're, they're pulling on. Mm. Um, the person who is lost in their own obsession... Um, and is not necessarily actually the better person in this moment, in the moment of their obsession, of, of their uh, their focus overtaking. Um, not that ethical, Ethel is remotely ethical, Ethel here, but... Ethelical. Ethelical. Too much, sorry. <laughs> I don't really know how I feel about this, like, weird, like, bizarre... I don't even know what thing with Ethel and Jughead. I I don't appreciate that Ethel is creepy. I don't like it. I don't mm-hmm. think it's appropriate to make a normal-sized girl in a television show full of skinny women have mm-hmm. her sexuality be threatening. That really bugs me. I it did like I got I've got some real um defense bully vibes from Betty here. Like she pulls the mean card really easily at the end of her rope, which is interesting. Like, I I feel like Betty spends a lot of her story in a place of... in a place of invisible privileges still. Hmm. That she's still at least wrapping around herself. She... she there's a confidence even right in her narration, in her inside voice, of being the one in, in power here <laughs> and in charge. And it's... Um, I was really struck in this story by how quickly her internal fortitudes started to crumble. Hmm. Um, which feels like the payoff of Betty's arc this season to me. Um, some of the isolation she's experienced with Jughead in the last few episodes. Um, and I, having met this, this Betty, this, um, clever Betty Drew, for several mm, seasons. That's it's, true. It's really... I found it really enjoyable to see her instincts suddenly reframed into a place of paranoia. Hmm. An accurate paranoia. It's an interesting um, sort of experiment in, in what context brings to believability, to truth. That person looks really familiar. Mm-hmm. I don't know if they're a local someone or if we've seen them in the show before or something 
but she looks very familiar, or maybe she just looks like a generic white girl. Bite me. This, it's, I feel like this, this is an interesting little Betty vehicle, or a Lily Reinhardt vehicle, this sub-episode. Like, I, I feel like they were able to use a lot of her acting strength that, um, they've kind of dug into this season with her Alice portrayal. Yeah. And with some of her sort of high, um, high action badass role roles this, uh, this yeah. season. Yeah. I, you know what I like so much about her narration? I just realized it's obviously mm-hmm. very clean in comparison, but it reminds me a little of the, um, um, interior monologue and in train spotting. <laughs> I don't mm. know if you've ever seen that. I haven't. But it's the same kind of like a line is delivered bite me kind of mm-hmm. kind of pacing bits of reaction bits of mm-hmm. um calm cool um yeah i was reminded of alias grace actually a few times in this episode oh i've never seen that it's a margaret atwood adaptation yeah um but um that's a, a historically said i think in irish um catholic uh laundry nunneries oh boy or, could not could not read yeah. Could not read. Saw a movie about the Magdalene Laundries and That's will never, like, will never. <laughs> yeah. I will only ever see that movie once. I think everyone should see it, but it was so disturbing. I'll only see it once. Mm-hmm. Yep. It's time to go back to our room now. Yeah. It's, it's interesting watching Ethel roll out the power cards here in this system as well. Um, uh, Acting normal. Um, Hmm. I, I, um. So one thing I wonder about this institution is if they let Betty do this. Hmm. You know what I mean? If they essentially baited her, watched her, and let her dead end herself. Play out her sleuthing. Yeah. Hmm. It does seem like they wouldn't have to try too hard to just let her play out her her steam. Yeah. Um, yeah, this this came real quick and natural to her. Um and added an interesting nuance that I I didn't feel very on Betty's side in this. Interesting. Mm-hmm. It, it felt like she was real quick to use bullying tools um, with an apparent sort of moral flatness. Yeah. Hmm. Here we go. I rather... I was entertained by her choice to use a fake seizure and her internal monologue through this section. Um... So a lot of the the hyperbole in this story, um, for me, served to distance the the um, the really heavy trauma, sort of medical horror that we're seeing on screen from the realities of medical trauma horror that are really much worse than all of this. Um, but I felt like the 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 real hyper intensity um, for me, it was a little bit of an emotional release hmm, to to enjoy it without over without too much analyzing, even down to the very specific, um, the aesthetics of her, her uniforms, right? Yeah. 
yeah. the um, period, not periodness that the show does so well. Um, also, she opens M to Z, and then she's a C. Fair point, fair also, point. Also, she opens the top and then opens the bottom. Well, that is how those locks work. Oh, really? I didn't know that. Yeah. Well, at least in the ones I've accidentally locked at work when we didn't have the key. Never did, never did fix that. Anyway, that's a job years ago. Um, <laughs> HL increases. So, so, the, so here's another Hiram <coughs> Lodge moment coming together. Yeah. Kind of a thing. Um, she, Bulio Lapis, that means something. Lapis means... Lapis is a stone? L- lapis Lazuli? La- lapis Lazuli, but is it also related to the word Lapin? Bunny? Yeah. I don't remember now. I'm going to go have to Bulio Lapis. Let's Google Latin after yes. the show. This was this was a satisfying narrative moment for me. Yeah, um, I was so scared for Betty when I saw this brick wall. Yep. I just don't. I don't like it. I, um, this wasn't an, this wasn't a, a micro episode that surprised me with any of the bad things happening to Betty. Um, I was not shocked when she did end it here. It felt very, um... Um, that's the narrative beat I was expecting here, and I, it was satisfying. Hmm. Um, weirdly, it was satisfying seeing. I think Betty. <coughs> hmm. Well, coming into the penultimate episode, like I'm, the stakes are higher for Betty than. Well, no, not the not than it was for her last season. Yeah. Ugh, the hands here and the ugh. Yeah. I don't like it. This is a pretty visceral scene. And then the creepy pseudo religiousness. Yeah, with that soprano soprano singing in the background. Yep. Good strong talking to from the king. These are some real culty nuns. Yes. <laughs> These nuns roll with whatever evil comes their way. It does seem that way. Some mercenary nuns. Yeah. I do. I don't like it. Mm-hmm. I'm... What? I'm glad we're at a point where we're, we're getting some reveals. I'm, I'm actually quite built up to see what Betty sees next. Yeah. Um, I'm feeling fairly psyched by the stakes um and i feel like i um i've been maybe a little less whiplashed this season Hmm. like they've been building um steadily even as they've been jumping around genre um i feel like the i'm seeing where the puzzle's going more interesting okay Yeah. yeah or it's more consistent and linear Oh, she's not looking good. This was a jarring and upsetting scene. I did not like this. I'm scared for Betty. The move of no in- full internal voice, internal monologue, to flat no internal voice, speaking straight your thoughts, that's an interesting like narrative, uh, psychological milestone for them to be picking into. Yeah. Um, oh no, I'm so scared for Betty. Like the disillusion of self. Yeah. It's, it's, yeah. And to come. And then she's just. 
wrap around with this prayer filling her internal monologue. Yeah, I don't like it. I'm scared for Betty. It was very powerfully done. Mm. Okay, second time through, I really like that episode a lot. Yeah. Actually, quite a quite a bit, quite a bit, quite a bit, quite a bit, quite a bit. Apparently, we've got a mass seizure coming next week. Yeah, yep. Um, and that was Penelope Blossom licking something off her uh, oh face. Oh, God. I'm ready Who for Cheryl to have something actor? to do again. Um, I don't know. But we'll find out next week. We will. Actually, we'll find. We'll forget to find out before next week. Panic, seeing her on screen, desperately try to watch the credits, forget... And then think of it while we're in the middle of podcasting You know, there's again. a way to fix this. We could use the magic boxes of information that we carry in our pockets at all times. Like, right now. I mean, we could. Anyway. Anyway. <laughs> I, wow. I feel like the annoyance I've had for the last few episodes is sort of dissipating. Like, I kind of know where we're going now. Hmm. I don't know I'm, if you know what I mean, but. I... I, I think I've hit less and different frust I think I've hit different frustration notes okay. than you this season. Um because I'm I've been feeling pretty on the roller coaster for a few episodes. Um kind of energy mood wise. Um the increasing levels of what? Yeah. At this point I've just like I've embraced that we're on a fantasy ride. Um okay. and the <laughs> I didn't until this episode. Mm. I think about two episodes ago I gave up on the concept of a status quo normalcy ever returning or existing in Riverdale. Mm-hmm. Um, we're just not in a high school show anymore. It's not about high school. It's yeah. not about being in high school. It's not about high schoolers. It's about, um, it's it's a disaster movie. It's a heist movie. It's, 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 it's everything where the stakes are way bigger than anything high school. It's not, Yeah. it's not even Veronica Mars style spilling out of high school anymore. Yeah. Yeah, like, it's like just, we're just Buffy, off the rails. Buffy was more of a high schooler than Veronica this episode. Yeah. <laughs> yes, that's true. <laughs> Poor Buffy was obliged to maintain her adolescence. Mm-hmm. But, um, like, you, you commented in that lovely shot of, uh, that panning shot around Veronica earlier, um, really focusing on her watching young people. Um, I'm interested if they go more than... More than just the vague implied visual um, motifs of uh, sort of losing youth. Um, yeah. Without, without, like, I don't think we're going to go into a, much of a coming-of-age story, except maybe Jughead. Um, but no one seems to be on that trajectory, necessarily. Yeah, well, I, I do feel like Archie and Jughead made weird adolescent choices this... Um... Mm-hmm. This episode, and I do feel like Betty was sort of obliged to be a teenager. She's completely disenfranchised. Mm, Veronica right. is sort of the most adult of the lot. I I loved how much time was spent with Veronica sweeping. Yeah. Um, I thought um, a lot of the, the silent scenes of Veronica, the business scenes, were her doing the mundane things in a very pointed way. Interesting. Um, yeah, I, I liked that. I thought it was, I thought it was a really interesting character highlight for this episode specifically. Um, yeah, for like saying where she is in what is essentially her post Archie life. Yeah, it is the post Archie life, isn't it? Mm hmm. Hmm. Yeah, and like for all intents and purposes, he has left. 
she yeah. is lost. And while we know that's, you know, not the world the show is going to maintain. No, um, might be. You never know. Yeah, this could just be the new consistent format, which, I mean, I, I could roll with more episodes with this structure, um, actually. The the clean three-part break. Yeah. With, uh, I, I've, I've always quite enjoyed this pacing. Um, a lot of um, Adventure Time actually does a similar beat very, very well with absurd framing stories, but it's such an old, you know, pacing model. So many episodes break break into the... 10, 10, 10, or 20, 20, 20. Yeah. Yeah. I'm really excited for next week. I'm, at, I'm like, this is the first time I've been, like, really, really, really stoked on an episode this season. Oh, good. And yeah. We only had to, like, check our, check our suspension of disbelief completely out the door and um, look at the pretty colors. Yes. This is kind of what it took for me to just roll, roll with the ridiculousness that's interesting because i kind of feel like i have something to chew on now mm. which i haven't felt before and it's mostly betty it's mostly betty's plot that i'm here for now right because betty even though she's been victimized literally she's been mm-hmm. broken-hearted she's been unhappy her brain's been a little difficult for her mm-hmm. she's never gone off the deep end yeah and i feel like one of the moral compasses of the show has just gone off the deep end that's how i'm feeling mm. <clears throat> i i feel most interested in how her actions affect the the end game the story right now she feels like the lead player at the moment yeah. and i like that and i i think she's <laughs> She's felt that way for me for a few episodes this season, that she has been the only one to see what's happening, uh, not unlike Alice in the flashback <laughs> episode. She's yeah. been the soberest one in the room. And now she's not. Um, yeah. Or she certainly is suggested to not be, but um, I'm, I'm curious to see how to unpack that more next episode, to see what, what Betty's actual um, function is right now. Yeah. Um, to see more of Betty coping and overcoming this. Yeah. Um, though, this could be a wild ride from what the quick preview flashes would like. Yeah. I'm here for it. Yeah. I'm here for it. I hope you'll join us next week, gang. Yeah. And uh, for a little penultimate um, mid-season hiatus, uh, Palooza. Yeah. Palooza. I'm excited. Um, I guess, sure, let's, uh, we're, uh, my brain's in the land acknowledgement already, um, because we talked about doing it at the beginning, so I guess this will be our last end of show last land acknowledgement. Yes, it will be. Excellent. Um, <clears throat> we would unless like you, to... sorry, unless you add more thoughts before we... No, I'm good. Yeah. Um, the Riverdale Gang podcast is recorded on, and the Riverdale show is shot on, unseated, Tsleil-Waututh, Musqueam, and Squamish territory. We thank... Uh, Thunderquack and Mike and all of the folks at Patreon or Patreon, however you wish to pronounce it, and all of you, gang, for sticking with us. Yeah, you're this, a, y'all are good company. Through this bizarre show, we are on a ride. We are. I'm still, I'm still here for it. I'm, yep. I'm, st- I'm. <clears throat> there's all sorts of magic weirdness that I am just embracing <laughs> as true within the constraints of this world. Yeah, why not? <laughs> why not? I'm Chloe. I'm Ryan. We'll see you next week. Bye.